Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today, it's, uh, it's a bit of a weird pleasure for me. Slightly sickening to have this person on board. And I say that with so much love because I genuinely am so happy we reconnected. Like, I can't believe that we didn't speak for like a whole year. I yeah. saw his face come up on Facebook and I was like, he added me back. I was like, why the fuck are we not friends? Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, well, was an algorithm thing. Well, it was, it was that I got the account that we were friends on before got banned yeah. um, like 18 times. So I moved to another account and then, and it was weird. I ran across you and I was like, Oh, it's a deal. I need to, I need to friend him again. Yeah, Cause you weren't, dude. we weren't friends on this account. And, yeah, dude. Like honestly, when you did, I was so happy cause I was literally jumping for joy so much so that I actually ended up buying your course right away. The day that you sent it to me, I was like, fuck you yes, did. bye. <laughs> you did. That was great. That was great. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to be going through it later this, uh, in the next couple of weeks, but quick heads up to everyone that don't know, that doesn't know the ma- the motherfucker that I'm talking to. His name is James PM Gaffney and you guys can find him for today's sponsor as well at jamespmgaffney.com. How do I put this nicely? Branding extraordinaire, personal, like, do knows how to design almost anything. He can take your ideas and run with them. And you guys can't see it, but his background is like one of the most envious I've ever seen for like a video <laughs> because there's so much cool shit there. Yeah. But as always, please rate uh, all your toys. Please rate, subscribe, share, and uh, please realize this guy is as much of a nerd about as many nerdy things as I am. And this is, you're in for a treat. So right off the bat, I kind of want to bring you guys into the conversation we were having beforehand. It's a fairly serious conversation, but it's one I want to highlight. Um, and I want to name the person that I was discussing earlier as well. His name is John uh, Paramore. And I don't say this negatively. John's a good friend of mine now. Like we've, um, we've known each other for some time and I respect him. But we were on a post and I'm not going to mention what the post was, but my buddy Zachary posted something uh, about a group. And of course... John went ahead and replied back saying, Hey, but did you know that like, it was a complete left field comment, which I didn't gel with. So of course I wanted to reply back as humans do on social media publicly, but I decided to send him a message privately. And as you and I were discussing it, there's been like a loss of social etiquette. I don't know if, I don't know if you've noticed that like people now would yell at you in front of an entire room of people but digitally, but won't do it in person. Like if you were in person, you pull the person aside and have a conversation, but we seem to have lost that etiquette. What's your take on it? Um, I think that it's become disposable. I think that relationships online, a lot of people just see them as disposable. Um, yeah. And it, they're not, they're really not. I mean, for every jerk hole and troll that, that's out there, you know, there is a human behind that for every person that's out there posting something, there is a human behind it. It's, um, you know, you, yeah. can, you can get mad. I mean, you, you can certainly get mad, but you know, this, this whole cancel culture, blocking people, uh, reporting people's profiles, doing all this, this ridiculous shit is really just an indicator that these people don't see these other people as people. They see them as digits and, you know, we're all, we're all avatars at this point. And, you know, why not, you know, if you're, if you're tired of the computer program, cut the computer program off. And that, that seems to be the, the, the thought process. You know, we're, we're all kind of stuck in a video game anymore. And, to say the least. And, and now, you know, we can just cut the video game off. You know, if somebody disagrees with me or upsets my opinion or, you know, thinks I'm a dickhead, all I got to do is cut them off. And yeah. that's, you know, it, it works certainly. And it keeps people out of your, out of your space, but it also completely discounts them as people. And, oh, and I don't think that's good. I, I think that's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous trend. And we're all, we're all guilty. I mean, I, I do it too. Um, you know, I'll, I'll argue with people and think, well, that guy's just a dickhead, you know, from one post, but that post may have been in a time of stress. It may have been something he didn't really intend the way it came off. I mean, it, there's a million and one reasons then. that people, that people post what they post or say what they say. And, you know, we can argue with them. That doesn't really help anything, but blocking them and completely destroying them from your world is there's no productivity in that. No, there really isn't. Like you're not opening yourself up for expansion. Again, like you said, I'm guilty of it too. I've, I've done the thing where like I've stopped talking to someone because of the way they were. Um, may he rest in peace. I don't like the guy, but may he rest in peace. And that's Clayton make peace. 
uh, I blocked and deleted him because a lot of the posts that he was putting up were very racially charged against people that look like me. So I was like, I don't want to be involved in that world. And I don't really want to go into the world of a guy that at the time was in his sixties and seventies and try and change his opinion about how I see things. I'm like, I'm not really about that life. I don't want to fight you on like a long held belief that you just, you hold on to, to your dying breath. Rather, if you're someone that has value in my world, like you and I do. And if you, even if you posted something really, really, really fucked up, I know for a fact, if I had a situation where you and I didn't agree message, you're like, Hey James, I don't agree with you on this post, but here's my reasoning. Why, what's your reasoning to do this? And even sending messages like that, I've realized if someone says, I don't agree with you about something, you go one of two ways. If you don't supplement it with, I'm curious what your take with this is, and you come in like a very supple person, level-headed person, it can be read as being hostile. And people can get get their backs up like, why do I have to like justify myself to you, blah, blah, blah. And it's, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. But you're right. Pe- people throw away good relationships over the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Over Absolutely. the stupid stuff. Absolutely. But, hey. Which, which, is, which brings me back to my whole idea of like when I started this whole show off was uh, you, you and I, like our relationship was not a throwaway. I just didn't realize where the hell you went. And I thought the algorithm hated me for a moment. And then again, when we added each other, I was like, holy shit, I'm so happy he's back in my world. Yeah. But speaking of which, what have you been up to, man? Like what's been going on? How's work? How's life? How's playing guitar? Because last I heard from you, uh, I think you were road tripping. Yeah, we um, we stopped road tripping a little over a year ago. We bought a house in Hickory, North Carolina, um, no and an office. So um, it's it's good. We we've decided to settle down for a little bit. My mom's getting older, and we have a a couple of kids that are heading to high school age, and they wanted to go to actual high school. So we thought settling down would be good, and it has been. It, it's been really nice. Um, one thing that really sucked about the road was Wi-Fi. It, I yeah. love having good gigabit that's always on on the road. It was it was hit or miss. Some days it was McDonald's. Some days it was, you know, really good internet. But it's I love having good Wi-Fi so I can block people, you know, and upset people on the internet and <laughs> and tell them I'm, I haven't read your post. I'm only doing this for boosting engagement. Yes, yes. Well, you know. As rude as that, that was, yeah. How dare you be so vile? I mean, I can't believe that you wrote, I'm only trying to help your engagement, and that was that was. <laughs> yeah, and dude got in touch with my wife. That's Oh, man, that's just fucked up. Like, seriously, if, you, if you're going to have a whole thing, just, you know, mano a mano is the way that I always believe it. You know, and I don't mean that just because we have a, if you identify as man or not, I don't really give a shit what you identify as. Just, just be a person be a person, put yourself in those shoes. It's interesting going back to the whole empathy thing, because uh, I was speaking to John Benson about this about two weeks ago. And I did post up about it, but not fully. And it was the idea of to really restart connecting with your fellow human. Think of the worst person that you really despise and find one nice thing about them. Just one. And it'll open you up. Like I had some really funny ones. Someone thought that it was like, your your hair annoys the shit out of me. (laughs) I was like, fair enough. It's like, if I'm your worst enemy, dude, then you got some problems. Cause I'm like really nice about stuff. <laughs> I, I do love a good hair joke. Oh, always. Know. Oh, the, the good thing is though, we're, we're both blessed. You know, we, we're, we have fabulous heads of hair and oh, you, should be you, jealous. I was going to say your bit is what makes me jealous. Like seriously, you have like that, you have such a well positioned bit. I'm like, God damn it. I wish mine grew up that way. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It, um, you know, I don't, I don't touch it for about three weeks, and it just does what it does. Oh, lucky man, lucky man. Yeah. But speaking of which, of of random hair stuff, but like, uh, I'm actually growing mine out as much as I can until um, Halloween, because mm. it's for my Halloween costume. Because I decided to commit to my Halloween costume like four months ago. I was like, I'm just gonna grow my hair out, see what happens. Essentially, I'm going as Scar from The Lion King, but with an updated version. And I'm not going to give everyone that's listening. Actually, fuck it. By the time this comes out, it should have already happened. Uh, yeah. Essentially, Scar, I'm reimagining him. So I'm going to grow my hair down to my shoulders, grow my be- beard fully out, and then put like some white chalk where his white chalky goatee is. Except for I'm going to dress, him up, uh, dress myself up in a three-piece business suit and start introducing myself as, hello, I'm Scar, CMO of Pride Rock Industries. You may have heard of my brother Mufasa. He had a son recently called Simba who keeps saying he's going to rule the pride and uh, take over the company, which is very, very 
angry. It like makes me very upset. You you need some business cards. You you oh, gotta have, you have know business cards for this. Yeah. You know what's really funny? Someone actually did send me them. Like blue nice. background, it says Pride Rock Industry Scar CMO with an email address. I was like, thank you so much, my friends. That's true. Because the best part yeah. is, if, if I go out to a party, if there is a chance to have a party, of course I'm going to go out. But I'm going to give them out to people with one day. Like, I just want someone to say, wow, you came prepared so I can break into song and just start singing Be Prepared. I, that's, that's not a party I'm going to be at. I'm sorry. If, if people I are know. singing, it's not a party for me. I know. It's only going to be me that's singing, though. Like, for okay, about two well, seconds and then back into it. <laughs> don't worry. I'm not going to... I don't have the best singing voice. This is more like I'm going to do, like, three bars and walk away. Well, you got to get it on tape. That That's, that's TikTok-worthy right there. Or TikTok-worthy TikTok yeah. right there. I was just going to put it on my, on my YouTube, to be fair. It's like, look what I did. It was stupid and fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that'll be the like one that blows process. up and makes you a million bucks. Or the one that blows up and then everyone's like, that's what I know you for. It's like, yeah, not the years of copywriting, none of that. Just this mm-hmm. one video where I look like Scar, everyone remembers me for. Yeah, but speaking of like branding and stuff, because like this is something that I'm always curious about. It's, uh, it's a lost art to my brain, very similar to how copywriting is a mystery for some people. Branding is a mystery for me. Mm-hmm. So my fa- I know we're kind of changing gears a little bit here. My question to you initially is... Um, because seriously, dude, I've just gone through like a small segment of your course and I'm loving it already. My question is, what is it that makes someone a brand? Like, what are the elements? If like you were to look at it and be like, all right, like let's do the sales letters. Like, what's a sales letter really? It's a persuasive argument that tells your story, that uh, gives someone emotional and um, logical arguments to use against other people to justify their purchase and gives them a way of buying from you. So that's kind of like the foundation five level, the five steps of, a sales letter. What's that with branding? Well, um, really first, and, and, and again, the course goes through all this sort of stuff. Brand is, is perception. Your, mm-hmm. your brand is the perception that other people have of you. And really what it is, it's the perception that they have of your promise and your branding is, it only exists to dis- to display and communicate that promise. You know, your branding is, is kind of a mechanical thing. Your brand is a perceptual, you know, inside your customer's brain thing. So, you know, your brand is what you promise, what you can deliver each and every time that only you can deliver. That's your, your brand promise. And then your branding communicates that promise. And, and it, it affects the perception of that promise. It affects the perception of who you are as a person or who your business is, um, and that's it. It's actually pretty simple. <laughs> I love how simple you made it. Like, yeah, no, it's not that confusing. You're just an idiot, Adam. Just no, 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 no. <laughs> I say that with by the way. I say that with love, by the way, because again, you are my friends. So I can make fun of that. But anyone else, I know you don't think that of me. But it's it's quite interesting that like that is uh, how it's seen. So my curiosity is, how do you change the perception if you have one perception of you? How do you shift it to another? Because again, this is something I'm very fascinated about considering what I've been reading lately. It takes time. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of dogged continuity. You know, if, Could you if, you, if your brand is one of, eh, you know, Adil's kind of an asshole, you know, and, yeah. and he doesn't live up to his word or he doesn't deliver. If that becomes your brand, if that's what people start knowing you by, you can't, it's very, very difficult to get away from bullshit. If yeah. you're full of shit, it'll, it'll come out at, at some point. If, if you're good at what you do, if you deliver on your promise, even if, you know, even if that promise changes, you know, if you're first, you're the most badass copywriter, but then you decided, well, I want to be the most badass mountain bike rider. It's going to take people to, to uh, some time to make that transition. But the only yeah. way that you can make that transition is actually being a badass mountain yeah. biker. You know, um, you can't just all of a sudden say, well, I'm a branding expert and, and, and tell everybody you're a branding expert without the proof, without the actual ability to do it. It's, you know, and then I'm glad and, and and changing and rebranding is a very, very difficult thing. Um, and very expensive. Uh, it's because you've got to pump a ton of money and time and effort and design and words and all this stuff and into changing people's perceptions of what you are. So 
you know, when thinking about your brand, when, when starting up your brand or thinking about your branding, make sure that what you're promising in that branding and in your copy and in, in all your stuff is something you legitimately can back up because you might get some people in at some point though, you're going to hit a wall and people are going to realize you're full of shit. And then, and, you and then rebranding becomes a real problem. You change your name at that point. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things I remember a while ago when, do you remember a couple of years ago, everyone and their mother and brother was starting to become a copywriter. Like I'm a copywriter. I'm a copywriter. I'm a copywriter. I was like, for fuck's sake, you're not a copywriter. Cause um, they were good salespeople. Don't get me wrong. They were good at like closing $10,000 deals, but like you'd be surprised how many of those guys, they were horror. They left some horror stories behind from like the clients they fucked over and didn't deliver on or didn't get results on. And Absolutely. they had to hire someone like me to come in. And obviously if I'm like, Oh yeah, by the way, I charge 30 grand for this. They look at me and go, I'm a, I'm the crazy one charging so much money to like do yeah. what I do. But I'm like, if you came to me at the start, you would have avoided all this bullshit to begin with. Yep. Yep. I get so the same thing. There's, yeah. there's a lot of branding experts out there. There's, there's a lot of oh. you know, Uber graphic designers out there that, that fuck people over and really fuck up businesses. And then, yeah. you know, the other issue that you run across, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this too, is, well, you know, I paid this other guy $25,000 to do all this stuff and it's wrong, but you can use all the pieces and make it right, right? So I don't need to pay you $25,000 to bail out, you know, the, yeah. the previous designer. No, we're starting over and it's actually going to be more expensive because he fucked it up so badly. Now you're really going to have to pay. And, and there's damage control. You're, play, you're literally paying for damage control at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely horrible and you know, it, it can lead to bad reviews and, and, you know, needing reputation management and all this stuff. You fuck up your brand. You're really fucked up. It, it can be really difficult to, to bring it back. I mean, same thing with copy though. You know, you've sent yeah. out some really shit copy to your, to your audience and, and they stop listening and it's really hard to get them to start listening again. Yeah, I've, I've been on that receiving end a couple of times, but to give you guys an idea, there is a way to recover off of that. And I said it, I think I've said it twice this week already, and I'll say it again here as well. Um, if your reputation is taking a hit because you fucked up a couple of times, you know, life happens. We're all, we're all aware of it. I mean, I fucked up loads a few times, like over the last 18 months, I've screwed up more than I usually do. Uh, here's the big difference. I put my hands up and say, guys, I screwed up. And two, I try and make it right. Meaning I give as much of the money back as I can without feeling uncomfortable about it. Like right. if I've done the work, there, there has been times where I've done the work and someone's like, I want a refund. I'm like, dude, I'm halfway through writing your thing. I'm not giving you a refund. And then eventually it becomes, I have to give them a refund to shut them up and just get yep. them out of my way. But what that does negatively for them is now they've wrecked their brand with me because now I know if they ever come back to me, I'm going to charge them 10 times the amount just because I don't yep. want to work with them. Pain in the ass fee. Exactly. But I still love the fact that, uh, speaking of Peter fees, which are my Peter taxes, I like, uh, as I love them, um, pain in the ass tax. Mm -hmm. What has been your favorite one so far? Like, have you ever had to use a Peter, uh, like a pain in the ass, like tax on someone before or no? Honestly, no, because yeah. I, I'm really selective to start with. And if somebody burns yeah. me, I'm done. I just, mm. it, you know, I wish them well. I, I, uh, there have been plenty of people that have burned me in the past and, and done that kind of stuff halfway through and want their money back and that sort of thing. Um, I won't, I won't deal with them again. I just won't. Yeah. It's, you know, money is one thing having to deal with people that are that way. It's just, it's yeah. not worth it. it so. It's not about the money though. That's the other thing as well. That's what I, I want to stress about this for James and myself. It isn't about the money for us. It's about the, integrity of what your word is because if you if you're there to fuck me over like with a small amount of money what happens if like we sign a deal where i'm going to be business partners with you what are you going to do to me then yep exactly like, exactly it's, I mean, a, it's a huge trust break yeah and oh oh well you can do it for 10 percent cheaper no i really can't do it for 10 percent cheaper because next time you're going to want 20 percent cheaper and then 30 percent cheaper and you you don't respect my time you don't respect my expertise shut up and go away it's yeah um, and and it's, it's difficult because, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and there have been plenty of skinny times where I'm like, I got to get somebody in here and, you know, you kind of ignore those red flags burns me each and every fucking time. If there's a red Sucks. flag, it, you run, run the other way. There's some other money will come to replace that money that you didn't make by dealing yeah. with dickheads. 
Oh my God. And it's not even just dealing with the emotional stress that comes with it is the worst because that takes a, a lot longer to go through. I mean, granted, nowadays I'm a little bit better dealing with it. Thank you, marijuana, for that one. Because I swear <laughs> to God, like, uh, I, I say that, like, uh, at the moment, I'm a little bit, I've, I've gone sober to some degree because I'm, um, I'm giving myself some time away from it because, again, I truly believe you need to have time away from getting baked. Yep. Otherwise, you end up in a place where I was, in which from our discussion, I think you've hit before as well, which is, uh, you go down rabbit holes that really aren't productive. Like creativity is on a 10, but productivity is at a two. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I'd rather, I'd rather have the productivity at five and a creativity at eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about balance. It really is, you know, and, um, and grass, I love, I love pot. I've smoked pot for 34 years now, 35 years. Um, for me, it's been two years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have I grew up around it and, and absolutely love it, but it is if you're not careful, it's like anything else. It gets out of balance and it it affects other parts of your life. Um, yeah. You know, the, the creativity is great. Um, microdosing, I truly believe in microdosing. You know, very small little tokes or whatever. Yeah. But I know me and I know my personality, and you know, I go down a rabbit hole. If <laughs> and I will smoke more and then smoke a little bit more, and then all of a sudden I'm you know, sitting day on away and couch watching, you know, stupid shit documentaries on, on Netflix about like gangsters and mobsters and shit. I know yeah. I, I do the same thing, but the way I want to like put this out to people is even though I have, and I believe you do as well, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but I'm just going to ask if you do this as well. It's the idea of, I know this works for a certain personality type and it does help long-term, but I also know myself well enough that if I go down that path, I know where I'm going to go. Like it works for most people, but for me, it's just, I got to go a different way around it. Like for instance, um, I can only inhale through a vaporizer or a bong. I can't do any, any other form. Uh, edibles are weird to me. Like I used to love edibles. I don't like them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not That's a big fan of edibles either. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I threw, I didn't throw up once I got really baked and like, you know, when your head just feels so heavy that like, when you move your inner ear, just, it, it feels weird. It's a weird place to be. Yeah, we used um, to call those getting the spins. Yeah. Or or, or being one-eyed where you had to kind of shut one eye because otherwise everything around you keeps moving. Oh man. And then you throw up. Those are the worst ones. Like yeah. throw, throwing up on weed is like it's not fun. And uh <laughs> fun story though, I got my mom high once. That was quite interesting. I gave her an edible. I did tell her what it was. Bless her, she she was like, she's never done anything, so she just tried a little bit. And uh, she threw up, which we really sucked. Because I was like, I know it'll help her arthritis out. So I gave a CBD oil instead because it, it helps. Yeah. But speaking of which, like with creativity and stuff like that, where do you find most of your inspiration? Because I'm very curious about this because I know you're a naturally creative guy. The weed stuff is there. That just enhances what is. Yeah. Um, so I know you're, ma you're masterfully creative. Where do you get your inspiration? Um, a lot of books and magazines. You know, the real obvious places um i draw a lot uh in sketchbooks i most ideas start off in a sketchbook um ever gone over to the ipad or like a remarkable tablet or something instead yet or just staying to pen and pen no no my wife has has an ipad pro and and she draws on it she does um fabric she design really amazing yeah she does use, use procreate and i've played with it yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really cool. I just, I haven't had enough time to get into it yet. And I yep. really like doing things manually. Um, it's how I grew up. Um, you can see I've got it. all sorts of toys and tchotchke and, and art and stuff in my office. Um, I collect things. Um, I like old stuff. I, li I like vintage seventies junk. Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't blame you. Like it's, and it, and like it, it, it inspires me. So that's, um, you know, Mad Magazine is a big one. I've got a lot of old Mad Magazines. Um, oh, dude, I'm so envious of that. Because, like, I, I've uh, so I've got a copy of a book called Celebrity that was released in the 80s. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. It's a big-ass book. I'm going to see if I can find it on my shelf. But it's somewhere over there behind me. But essentially, it's a book around um, creating a brand around perception. The guy that shot the Ali photo of Muhammad Ali was uh, in his boxer shorts and uh, in his boxing trunks. And he had arrows on him. It was just about how he was being lynched by, by the government about his outspoken views on Vietnam. Yeah. Around that time, I'd say 65 to like 80, that 15-year gap, I'd say is probably the most inspirational for creativity. 
like the music, the art, the news, the literature, the books, the poetry, everything just seemed on another level. And I, I totally get why you actually collect around that time. Yeah. And it's, you know, comic books and all that sort of stuff. And, and even art back then that there was this real big explosion of underground stuff. I mean, that's when punk rolled out. That's, yeah. you know, it, I mean, punk, punk was really kind of around in the sixties, even the fifties, um, Hazel Adkins and all these kind of weird. But it didn't really explode. I mean, when you went mod, I'd say, I'd say mod was around seventies when it really took off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get New York Dolls, all the all those bands. I mean, that was mid, early, mid to seventies, somewhere in there. And the Cramps and and all those people came out. But there was a real explosion around you know the end of the sixties and early seventies. And then there was a a rebellion against disco, and like the style of everything changed. And and that that to me that that shift in society there that 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 sort of stuff is really fascinating to me and the design around it is really fascinating you know russian design posters and and that sort of or russian uh propaganda poster design and matchbook design and all that stuff there you can kind of see how culture changed by looking at the design and sometimes the design would help lead the culture change sometimes the design would follow the culture change um but yeah, you know, and again, I grew up in the '70s, so fuck, it's exactly what I saw when I was a kid. So yeah, like I grew up in the '90s, so I definitely I, I get what you mean. Like even looking back to the stuff now, it's really interesting when I look at houses, like homes and stuff today versus homes that I grew up in in the '90s. I'm like, it's very weird to say, but it feels like everything today is in a high definition filter of just super clean and super crisp. Whereas mm. even in the '90s, growing up, it felt a little grimy. It had that. It's when I say grime, I don't mean that's negative. I mean that more in the sense of th- there was like a real sweat of the brow, slight struggle, and everything you earned, you enjoyed. And today, yeah. it's kind of like all handed to you. I, I don't know what that is. It feels too clean to me. Everything's really sterile. Everything's yeah, that's really, I mean. really sterile and put on and, and perfect. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it, that's something that I fight against, and even in design, is you know, because I've got a computer, I can make something fucking perfect i mean absolutely perfect but it becomes sterile you know it, yeah. it's kind of like playing the guitar you know if you become a mathematical mathematical musician you might do some really interesting stuff but there's no soul to it and i think that the soul in a lot of ways is being mashed out of our society by mass production and everything being cheap and disposable we we're talking about disposable relationships our entire society at this point is disposable we've got throwaway culture down to like a lock and key like, like the quickness of how quickly people break up nowadays is ridiculous like i remember speaking to uh, a friend of mine and he's a lot older than me he's in his 60s because i like hanging around people a little bit older than me because uh i don't want to sound like i'm putting people down in my generation but i have way too many knuckleheads in my generation that really don't go out and explore like you'd be surprised how many times i get told by people when they get to know me how many lives have you led led I'm like, I'm 30. I've like, I've been a professional chef. I fought, I've uh, fought professionally. I've traveled to some places, not as much as I want to for like the last decade, but that's changing over the next decade. Built businesses, had fun, met some amazing people, enjoyed cuisines and did some crazy shit along the way. And people go, have you lived so many lives? I'm like, because I remember and I actually go and exist. Whereas if you speak to someone that even is a little bit older than 10 years older than me, was born and grew up in the eighties, they have so much more creativity and expansion of what they've done. So going back to these relationships, someone that was in the 60s was saying to me that how him and his wife, um, they, didn't, they didn't divorce, but she kicked him out of the house for two weeks because uh, of a dalliance that he had. Like he cheated on her because of a whole situation. She kicked him out. Two weeks later, came home, kissed him up, made up, and they just got on with life. And now they're forever more in love than they've ever been. They're, they're still together to this day. Whereas in today's culture, you do that. One, even if you talk to a, someone of the opposite gender or the same gender and it's seen as a misconstruction, those are grounds for ending a relationship with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm not a Bible thumper by any stretch of the imagination, oh, but yeah. you know, if, especially with marriage, you know, you take a vow, you take a vow in front of God or whoever, and in front of the other person and in front of all these people at the wedding. And it be- again, becomes disposable, you know, your word, your promise to stay with this person for the rest of your life is disposable. And it's, you know, it's kind of like using abortion to stop pregnant or to 
as as a prophylactic device you know it's yeah. the same thing as it, it, i would agree ridiculous i i agree with that and it kind of comes back to what we were just discuss, like what we were discussing you lose the soul of who you are and it goes back to that integrity thing you know you're saying your word that i'll be there for you but the moment things get tough you're leaving really okay yeah. that's not just a smart place to be but it's very interesting kind of taking it back to uh to branding for a moment because again i know you're a fan of this but have you seen the have you seen bill and ted's uh excellent bill and ted 3 have you seen the trailer to it yet i've seen the trailer yes i am actually not sure if i want to watch it it's really really weird like i kind of want to watch it for nostalgia but part of me is like you can't recreate bill and ted one it was too beautiful of a movie yeah it's it's going to be hollywoodized and there's going to be some bullshit preachy message behind it and i i have a really really hard time with most movies these days because there's yeah. there seems to always be some sort of political or crypto religious agenda behind it and yeah there's uh, thankfully john wick the reason why john wick works so much is there isn't a religious or political agenda behind it you killed my dog i'm gonna go get revenge on you yeah that, that base instinct works like base yes. instinct works for shit like that i like uh, that and i and I like Keanu. Like, honestly, personally, Keanu Reeves is one of my favorite people on this planet because he's just a nice, he's a great guy. Yeah. Just a great guy. Um, but speaking of branding and stuff like that, my, my ideals towards it would be like, say, for instance, and I'm curious because I'm just more curious for my own uh, sake and people have asked me this. But if you're going through and branding yourself slightly differently and just say you're picking out a logo, how the hell do you know what color schemes even work on you? Like, how do you know what looks good and what looks terrible that represents you? Because again, I know there's the whole thing on color theory and all the other fun stuff that is that. Yeah, I mean, that's such a broad question and it's, it's really know, difficult it's to, to, to answer. Um, start, you just start with something, pick a color. Um, we can talk about brand archetypes and, and all that stuff. Actually, let's do that. Let, let, let's do that a little bit. Like just as an overview of brand archetypes, because I'm curious about this. Like I'm so stupid around this stuff. Okay. Well, um, an easy one. Let's, let's say you're the, there's a brand archetype archetype called the jester and mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious what that is. You know, you you bring fun and adventure, uh, to your clients, a good adventurous, happy color is yellow. So maybe think about working yellow in there. Sometimes not having it as a, as a primary color is plenty. Um, but really, once you define the personality of your brand and you start understanding what your audience wants from that personality in your brand, you can start defining color palettes. You know, if they are looking for somebody that's kind of aggressive and weird, you go with some reds and oranges, you know, warm kind of aggressive colors, lots of blacks, darker stuff. If they're looking for somebody that's light and love, you know, if you're a spiritual coach and you're trying to attract the women folk, you know, you, you back it off. You don't, you don't want jewel tones and, and really dark themes. You just, you kind of back it off. So it's, there's, it's a combination of what you like, what your brand personality is, and then what your customer or your client sees in your brand and, and what part of that personality they want to come out. And, yeah. and, and again, once you start working in color theory and all that stuff, and that, that's not really color theory, but there's, um, you know, there are, colors that relate to certain emotions and they're pretty obvious you know blue is cool and calming and green is calm and natural so it's you know if you look at them, kind of usually about, like, yeah yeah it's no, it's yeah. it's difficult and broad but it's it's pretty simple at the same time yeah that's actually always been fascinating to me about that just just how people see color so differently because um it's interesting with like brand archetypes, particularly as soon as you said the word jester, my brain went, that's actually me at times. <laughs> I was yeah. like, there's a little bit of that yellow in me, which is probably why uh, my logo colors are, have a burnt orange in there because I do really like that burnt orange look. Yeah. It's just gone. And also what a great name for a color burnt orange. <laughs> What's yes. that like? <laughs> that's a good one. Burnt orange. <laughs> uh, I can see some of the, I can see the orange in the background, which always makes me happy as well with what you're doing. So yeah. kind of like jumping up. So kind of jumping off that point, because I am actually very curious around this. What music do you listen to when you, when you work and when you create? Because again, I'm not assuming I'm more or less, I know that you are a musician and like me, you like listening to shit in the background. Yep. What is it that you're playing when you're actually working, when you're creating? Uh, it's a really bizarre list. A lot of it is, is, would be probably cataloged as noise rock. 
or punk okay. rock. Um, it's pretty loud, pretty aggressive. Um, a lot of stuff like Tomahawk, Jesus Lizard. Um, Great name for a band, by the way. Yeah, Viagra Boys, Proto Martyr. There's, there's a lot of kind of slight noise, slight math rock sort of stuff. Um, it all, a lot of what I listen to really stems from liking the band Big Black back in the day. Huh. Um, and Steve Albini, he actually produced um, Nirvana's um, In Utero album. He was the guitar player and the singer for Big Black. But it's this kind of, it's almost math rock because it's really staccato, but it's also got some kind of metal riffs to it. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of weird Dude, time sounds... changes and, and interesting things like that. So essentially, and again, I'm saying this from a very ignorant standpoint, so please tell me to shut the fuck up if I am getting it wrong. It's almost like placing rock with a little bit of jazz in there, but keeping it very, very rock. It's got like the essence of the slight delays in times, the breaks are slightly off, but it's very experimental. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one, one thing, G the Jesus Lizard, they're actually my all-time favorite band. I've seen them back wow. in the day a, a ton of times. Um, they're all really, really talented musicians, but the guitar player, Dwayne Dennison, is, he's an amazing jazz guitar player. And if you listen to what he's playing, he's actually playing all these jazz notes and jazz steps, but it's hopped up with, you know, an overdriven aluminum guitar. So it's, oh, yeah, it's really cool. Incredible. And then, and then you listen to the singer is he's all over the place and real garbled. And I read something somewhere that it was, it sounds like he's singing from a basement full of water. But if you listen to him, he's kind of like a horn. And so they've got this really great rhythm section and they got this jazz guitar player and this horn of a singer. And so it's like, it's kind of crazy drug fueled jazz. See, I love stuff like that. I might actually have to listen to them. Please send me uh, a couple of their, like if you got Spotify, just send me that playlist. I can listen yeah. through something you'd recommend because I love stuff like that. For me, like my all-time favorite band is the Black Keys. Yeah. Like I fucking love the Black Keys. The reason is because they throw back to an era that was just slightly before mine, which is the 80s. Mm. But they've got all the influences from like bluegrass, uh, bluegrass uh, to jazz, to like metal, to like, whatever it's all there you can hear it but it's just it comes in perfect uh for me yeah. which is quite nice and i always That's find cool. like that I, I find like bands today have become more uh as to use your word earlier they've become sterile mm. like the music of today has become very sterile yeah it's, and, it's um, overproduced so much of it is just completely overproduced and over slick and auto-tuned and all this other stuff and it it, it takes a lot well, of the soul out of it it becomes again mechanical or computer driven and it's boring yeah i've actually realized a lot of the even with movies because i'm a huge movie buff um everything has become repetitive of what it was like you have very few groundbreaking directors or musicians out there anymore like it's yeah. like when was the last time you heard someone that did what hendrix did in today's era you can be like oh there's only one hendrix i'm like ah no you can experiment with a guitar like uh, John Frusciante, who was from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He yep. was an experimentalist on a guitar. He was beautiful on a guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, for every one of him, there's like, oh, there's 99. I'm going to try and play like Hendrix. I'm going to play like blah, blah. It's like, learn your own style. Like, yeah. figure out who you are and put your soul into your music. Yep. Um, it's it's yep. one of the reasons why I love Tarantino so much. Like the dude takes what he loves and puts it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, can talk to you literally all day long about the shit. <laughs> it's it's gotta have soul. You gotta have the soul. You know, it's it's gotta have the human touch. And when you overuse a computer on anything, you lose that human touch. And yeah. Uh, I also, I also believe I also believe that with every person, you reach a point of what I like to call comfortability with technology. Um, like for me, right now we're speaking on um, the MacBook I've got is a 2020 MacBook that I just bought this year, which is slightly stupid considering they're releasing a brand new Mac in about two months. So I'm going to have to take this one back and ask if I can get the new one. Um, but I have my 2015 MacBook Pro right next to me that I love. And this thing produced all the work I needed to produce for like years on end. Mm. The issue was I actually got so comfortable with that 2015 MacBook with my iPhone 8 Plus and using pages as the way I like to spread all my documents. So the moment anyone says to me that, hey, could you send me something on Google Docs? There is a deep breathed sigh of like, I fucking hate you. 
underneath yeah. that because I'm like, I don't like using Google Docs. Same yeah. as I don't want to use one of the new iPhones, same as I don't want to use one of the new whatever. It's like, I'm very set in my ways about what I do. And the same goes for drawing. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I'm not the best artist in the world, in my opinion. I don't think I ever will be, but I do enjoy just randomly sketching things and seeing where my brain goes. Yep. The difference is I found that digital artwork agrees a little bit more better with me than, say, a pen and a pad. Doesn't mean I don't like writing shit down by, by hand at times. Yeah, digital art, I'm not going to lie. I, I do plenty of straight-up digital artwork, too. It's yeah. awfully nice to be able to undo and layer things and do all oh, kinds of weird man. shit with it. So, Dude, have you seen Gal Shiz, a channel on YouTube? No, I don't think so. I'll send you his link afterwards. Afterwards, the guy is so fucking talented. I mean, like, from my perspective, he's fucking talented. From your perspective, you're like, I can do that all day. Who knows? Yeah. People have that. But, like, from my perspective, the way he creates in a couple of minutes is just fantabulous. Uh, especially on Procreate. But that being said, one of my favorite questions of the show is always, of course, confidence. Because I truly believe that there's confidence in everything. You can see my cat getting up in the background over there. Uh, confidence is literally every aspect, in my opinion, of life. Like you need a good base level of confidence in order to really operate at a higher level for the greater good of everything else. My question to you is what happens when you have those slim times where your confidence is kind of like taking the back seat and, you know, life has kind of run up and kicked you in the nuts like Dennis the Menace and run off again. What do you do? Um, honestly, I put my head down and work. Um, or, you know, create something or draw or whatever. Um, you know, when, when I'm not feeling confident, when, when, like you said, when the world's kicked me in the balls, the easiest thing to get me out of my funk is to, to create something. And, you know, that can be, that can be Facebook content. It can be a website page. It can be, you know, an email, it can be sketch, it can be music, it can be something. Um, I sit down and create and that almost always gets me out of my funk and it brings that confidence back because I start seeing, Oh yeah, you are good. You, you do know what you're talking about. You can, you can create this. Sometimes it's terribly frustrating too, because as artists and as, you know, as an illustrator, you start doing something and it doesn't come out the way you want. And then you get more frustrated and you think, "Eh, fuck it. I'm never going to do this again. Um, But you know, you power through that. And, and for me, the, the quickest way out is to be creative. It, it brings me right back to where I need to be. I, I actually agree with you entirely with that. Like whenever I found, I feel, I realize it's not always writing that I need to find my avenue out of. Sometimes it's creating art with my food. And yeah. the, the strangest thing is I actually only discovered this about uh, three days ago or four days ago. Actually, no, it's, Thursday today so a week ago it was last last Saturday it was about six days ago um I was at my parents place for the Eid which is the Islamic New Year because again I grew up Muslim so of course and I I do identify as Muslim but I went home to see my family and while we were there I was making a curry just a very basic curry and you know there's like my mom's there my grandma's there my dad's there and I'm there obviously so you got you got essentially three very high level cooks in the house and myself like for different things and every single part, cause I was cooking this time. I was like, I'll make everything, whatever it is. And everyone's like, why are you taking so long? What's going on? And I realized what my greatest strength is, is I like to make the most simplest thing possible, the best it can be. So like, if I'm going to serve you a burger, it's, it's not going to be like every single thing under the sun is in this burger. It's like, no, it's a very basic burger. I've taken every flavor to the highest level I can take it to. Yeah. I find the same thing goes with art is if, if I'm creating or if I'm in a downward funk, I try and like, I don't obsess. I naturally go towards obsession. Um, but I really start to create and I find that sometimes it just needs to be done outside a realm that I'm having trouble with. And you find answers in those other realms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, I, I say create and it's not always a piece of art. It, it can be, yeah. you know, going Anything. through and cleaning up my email list or, you know, doing some menial task that I've been avoiding or that just needs to get done or, you know, something that's maybe not my favorite thing in the world, but just forward momentum. It, yeah, it, it that, it, that always pulls me out. And I think that really works for a lot of people. Um, yeah. But we don't do it because depression is a fucker and it tells you, well, it's not going to work anyway. Why are you even trying? Exactly. I, what I actually found though for me during those moments is that's if I do a bong grip of a certain strain of weed, I can actually get myself out of that funk fairly quickly. 
But again, I'm not saying that you guys, for the people at home, like, oh my God, they talked about weed and whatever it is. If you don't agree with it, that's fine, dude. Just like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is what works for me. I mean, probably yeah. if it works for James as well, superb. If it doesn't work for him, fuck it. I don't care. It's, it's, my, it's yeah. my coping mechanism. Yeah. You know, uh, pharmaceuticals don't work for me. They, they really fuck me up. So, you know, if depression and weed are tied, then I'm, I'm certainly guilty, but you know, I don't look down on anybody for using pharmaceuticals because they work for them. They just don't work for me. What works for me is like you said, uh, a little bong rip and getting back to work. Mm -hmm. Or just like going out there and doing something really fun. I mean, taking a walk in nature fucking helps. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know some friends of mine, like their entire, like, if I've got depression, how do I deal with it? Like, have some carrot juice, some apple juice, mix it in with some ginger and go for a walk for three hours in nature and you'll feel fine. That's their antidepressant. And it's like, great, that works for you. Doesn't work for everyone. You know, it is what it is. Um, But one of my questions I love asking on the show, it's one that I'm going to be asking you considering there's a fuckload of books on my desk and a fuckload of books behind me. That would be what are some of the books that you recommend that people actually go check out? Like I'd say three books that you'd recommend and about five movies that you'd recommend or documentaries that people should go see. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving you like Um, a very weird number here because there's another two that I want to give you for conclusion. And that you've already answered one, which is of course bands that people should listen to. And, uh, Jesus Lizard, of course, one of them. I'm guessing Big Black is the other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, books. Cut those out. Yeah. Um, Propaganda by Edward Bernays. Amazing book. Yeah, that uh, one, I really believe any marketer or business person needs to look into that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. As, as oh, dumb as that sounds. It's not dumb. Absolutely. It's a great fucking book. It is. The, and the, you know, the the series there's a couple of clinkers in it i think but overall it's just it's a delightful delightful read and and honestly gives me when i read it gives me a lot of ideas i reread it every few years um it's really cool i i prefer watching the movie but again the book is really good as well yeah yeah it's uh it's a real winner let's see third one this one's really basic, but I, I give it to uh, all my children. Um, it's James Altucher's The Art of Being Yourself. I think that's what it's called. Now, now I just the name escaped me. Um, Wait, is it Choose Yourself? Or, 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 yeah, Choose Yourself. That's it. Yeah, great book. That one, yeah, I really I enjoy that one. That's another one that I reread a fair amount. But um, I've given it to all my children uh, as they kind of get a little bit older. Um, and just packed full of real simple, actionable stuff. And that for me, you know, these self-help books and all this stuff, these things that get too deep or too woo woo, I lose my patience for them. Um, yeah, but I I thought there was some really good basic stuff in that, that, you know, if nothing else are, are they're great reminders. I agree. Could not agree more. Like great choices. Now you got your movies and documentaries to go through. Okay. Um, number one would have to be Blade Runner, the original. That's my Classic. all-time favorite movie. So. Noted. So you and I are definitely going to have to watch that when I come over. Yes, absolutely. Have you have you seen the new one? No, on purpose. I didn't watch on purpose because it's 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 the same thing where I have a whole thing where it's like if you're going to recreate something, please create something new rather than yeah. trying to rehash what is. This this actually worked. I have to really? say it worked. Yeah, and, mm, okay. and that's. That's high praise for me because, like I said, Blade Runner is number it's, one in my heart. Yeah, and, and so I avoided that, it for a really long time too for the same reason. I didn't want it to fuck up the legacy, but it it was good. It's not nearly as good as the first one, but it's it's well, worth watching. So. Well, I'll say this much: if someone that loves that movie as much as you is recommending it, then yeah, I know it's going to be good, so I'll go check it out. Because it's uh, yeah. I have the same thing with certain movies where when I tell someone like, "No, this is really good," they're like, "Really?" They watch it and they realize, so I'm on board with that. So I'll check out yeah. the next uh, Blade Runner movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's really good, but it, I wasn't. But I wasn't. You didn't off. hate it. Yeah, you yeah. didn't hate it. Yeah. No. Um. Let's see. Number two, uh, Spinal Tap. Great movie. So, Turn that shit yeah. up to eleven. Always. That's. Um. You know. I guess that's a documentary in some ways. Yeah. Um, it's a mockumentary, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good stuff, and um, best in show. It, and this isn't one of my movies, but best in show. There, it's got a lot of the same characters. Um, and it's about dog people and it's that's a good that's a good one um hmm the full monty not a lot of people have seen the full monty 
Ooh, yeah, that's a classic that a lot of people haven't seen. It's very, it's a very UK film. So like, it is the, obviously we saw it. Yeah, the um, the language is is very thick and it takes a while to get through. I mean, I'm I'm kind of an Anglophile. I like a lot of Britcoms and and old British TV and stuff. So it I I can pick up on the accents a little bit better. But my mom tried to watch and she's like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But, <laughs> Bless it. All right, what's your last one? Let's see, last one. Hmm. I wonder think if there's any good documentaries I've seen lately. Can it be in just a Netflix show? Yeah, whatever it is, dude. The Midnight Gospel. Oh my god, I love the Midnight Gospel. Like yeah, uh, I was I was uh, I was high as fuck, but one of my friends were like tripping on acid and watching it with me, and I was like, if if I was on acid, I get what you guys are on about, but also at the same time, I know Duncan Trussell well enough, like his stuff, that I can be like, I can follow his thought process. Yeah, it's it's I love it because there's you've got the the podcast part of it that you can you can follow if you're listening, but then the visuals kind of take over and pull you away from what he's saying in the podcast. Yeah. So it's like you're trying your brain's trying to follow two completely disjointed stories, and I don't know that Makes one's that, I love that one. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a cool one. Uh, one I'd recommend to you and anyone else that hasn't seen it as well. So if you're an ang- Anglophile, uh, Black Adder, the f- second, oh. third, a second and third are my favorites. Fourth is pretty good, but two and three yeah. are like right there for me. Yeah, Black Adder's great. Um, Young Ones, Saxondale. Oh, um, oh my god, I love oh. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's such good shows back then as well. It really did. Only fools, and, only fools and horses still to this day. Like is. Just you hear that theme tune that brings back memories of being a kid. Like everyone. and Father Ted. I do love some Father, Father Ted. Ted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Peep Show. I actually really like Peep Show. That's that's a fairly new one. I like Peep Show a lot. That's fair. I like the IT crowd, like the original they had in the UK. That was pretty fun. When they tried to recreate it in the US, it just it didn't work because they tried to do the same thing over there and it's it yeah. fell apart. Um it, that's, which, again, yeah, nothing, IT that's great. Yeah. And and the British office. Oh, British Office is good. British yeah. Office is good. But I like the American Office too. But then again, I say that I'm more of an American love. Like I love your TV. So uh, Community is still one of my favorite shows of all time because it's so smart and well-written. But yeah, we can definitely discuss the merits of those shows all day long. But dude, yep. just one one last thing before we uh, we head out and wrap up today. For the people that are listening out there, like what would you say is the best thing they could do if they would come find you anyway? Like what's the best place they could find you and should they buy your course? Cause from someone that is taking, by the time this has come out, I would have taken your course. You'd obviously see that I've taken it. So I'm going to recommend it, but you go, please tell them what they need to do. Uh, just go to James PM It's got all my stuff there. Um, and it's beautiful. Follow him. Yes. It's a brand new website. I actually just launched this week. Um, really excited about it. Still need to get in and beat it up a little bit, but it's very proud of it. And all my shit's there. You can buy all sorts of different shit. And you can even get in touch with me on social media from that website. Yeah. Uncle Jimbo will make you a man. I'm kidding. Yes. He's actually really cool. So I, I like saying that, but uh, I definitely go ahead and check out your podcast. What's the name of your show again? Uh, Jimbo's Five and Dime. That's it. I'm going to be on there next week, guys. So please check it out as always. And dude, it's been a pleasure. Please go rate, review, subscribe, share all the other fun stuff on, uh, stuff on my show. But please go check out James PM Gaffney because that shit is amazing. And I've just gone onto your website and I genuinely love your branding coloring. I, I love the design of your site. What did you do to build it, by the way? Just curiously before we head off. WordPress. Like, uh, no, which theme did you use? Oh, uh, Infold. Oh, wow. Damn, that's pretty cool. All right, guys, go check it out. Trust me, you guys are going to have a lot of fun uh, and just follow him as much as you can. All right, guys, have a great weekend and speak soon. Peace.